Hey, it's Kevin. Thanks for joining us online today here at Thrive Church. You've actually joined us in a series called First Fruits. And no, it's not about eating your fruits and vegetables, though you should eat your fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. Um, This series, what we're looking at is how do we leverage our resources to honor God? We believe everything that God has given us is from Him. Every resource, every dollar, every breath is for God. And so as a follower of Jesus, we want to also return that back to God and say, we want to honor you. And we have a saying at Thrive that God gets the first and the best and then we'll trust him with what's left. Or we'll give God the first and the best and we'll honor him with what's left. And so in the same way, we want to teach you during this series how to honor God and leverage your resources to build God's kingdom. Because you'll have a focus. Either I'll build my kingdom or I'll build God's kingdom. And sometimes those kingdoms are opposed. And we want to help you as a follower of Jesus today to see the blessings and the benefits and the rewards of building God's kingdom and putting him first. Why? Because he's given us everything that we have. Hope you enjoy today's message from one of our communicators here at Thrive Church. Hey, I want to uh, welcome everyone to Thrive Church, Richmond City Campus. It's so just it's awesome to see you guys with us this morning. Uh, if you're new to Thrive, we are having our Connect Gathering immediately after service. What is our Connect Gathering? It's a place where we hang out. We get to have fun. All right, we get to have lots of fun. You get to find out more about Thrive Church, who we are, what we're all about, what our mission is, what our value is, all that. So it's going to be immediately after service this morning in our Thrive Cap A. Uh, Love to see you there. Uh, So if you're new with us, we are in week two of our brand new series entitled First Fruits. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about how we honor God with our finances. We're going to talk about how we honor God with our time. We're going to talk about how we honor God in every single area of our life. In other words, we're going to talk about how do we put God in the center of our life, especially in our finances. All right. So now before we get started into the message I got to tell you, God just laid this on my heart this morning, and I want to make a confession to you. My wife, her birthday's coming up. My wife's name is Tiffany. Her birthday's coming up on November 9th, and, you know, the confession I want to make to you today is that when my wife, when I get birthday gifts from my wife, I don't get her new gifts. I don't want to spend the money to get her a new gift, all right, so I get her used gifts, Now, some of these gifts, they're not the best, all right? Maybe there's missing pieces to some jewelry that I get for her. might be a missing piece here or there. Maybe it's a gift where a dog has chewed on it, maybe even slobbered on it. I don't know. Now, there's a part of me that kind of feels bad about that, but I'm just not going to give her... I'm not going to spend the money to give her the best gift that I can give her. It's just not how I roll. Um, now, I will admit this. When I give her the gift and I watch her unwrap it, when I see the look on her face, it kind of it makes me feel like I should give her a best gift, right? But I'm not going to. I'm going to give her a used gift. I'm going to give her a terrible gift. I'm going to give her a gift... Um, that is, you might, you might call it the last gift that anyone would want. 
a used gift that nobody wants or desires. Now, I want you guys to take a deep breath. Look at, look at me. All right, so I did that on purpose, right? You should have seen how you guys were looking at me. You were looking at me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's the type of guy that wouldn't give his wife the best gift. I would not do that to my wife. I guarantee you that. I'm going to give my wife the best gift that I can give her, right? I wouldn't do it not only to my wife, but I wouldn't do that to any other human being on planet Earth. I would want to give that person that I'm giving a gift to the best gift that I could give them. You should have seen your faces. I will never forget the way you guys were looking at me. Totally awesome. But the truth is, when it comes to giving God our best gift, we treat him the way I pretended to treat my wife in that story I was just sharing with you. You see, we don't give God our first. We don't give God our best. We give God our leftovers. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, we have a staff value called Star of Mediocrity. We have seven staff values. It's how our staff operates. It's how our volunteers operate. Uh, It's called Star of Mediocrity. What does that mean? That means when we come here on Sunday morning and we're serving God, we bring our best. Uh, Our slogan is we, we give God our best or we don't give God anything at all. And what that means is, so with every person serving in the ministry here at Thrive, we come ready to serve God, giving him our best in every single area. Now, let me properly prepare you for this message today, okay? There's going to be three types of people in here today. Three types, okay, when you talk about a message like this. All right, the first person, the first type of person that's going to be in here today You're not a Christian. This message doesn't apply to you. You're off the hook today, filed away in your memory banks, because when you get saved, this will apply to you. And this is such a life-changing message. It will bless you in such a powerful way, so remember this. The second type of person is going to be this, all right? You're going to react like this. You're going to be a Christ follower. You're a Christian, and you're tithing, and you're giving above your tithe, and you're going to celebrate this message. You're going to be like, man, this message is awesome because I'm doing all these things. I know the blessings, and you're going to celebrate this message. Now, oh, I'm going to get real. There's going to be a third type of person. You're going to be a Christian. You're going to be a Christ follower, and you know you should be tithing, but you're not tithing. And you're going to be tense. Your cheeks are going to get super, super tense. And I'm not talking about these cheeks. Come on now. Talk about those cheeks. All right. Can I be real in the house of God today? Now, what I want you to do, what I want you to know is this. It's not going to be anything that I say to offend you, okay? You're going to come under what's called conviction. All right. Conviction is when God is tangibly talking to you. All right, and you feel something going on. And sometimes when we're convicted and we don't do something that we should do, that we know we should be doing, we tend to shut, shut her down, shut her down. But what I want you to experience today, when you get convicted from God speaking to you, I want you to embrace that conviction. I want you to celebrate that conviction. And more than anything, I want you to know that that's God literally active in your life. 
Don't run from that conviction that's going to come your way. Embrace it, celebrate it, and let, and what I want to let you know is that is God speaking to you, so celebrate it. So today we're going to be looking at a time in Malachi chapter 3, okay? Now, everyone turn in your copy of God's Word to Malachi chapter 3. That's Malachi chapter 3. So here's a little backstory to Malachi chapter 3. Uh, the children of Israel were under the old covenant. They were serving God in a way that they were not bringing God their best. They had forgotten about the goodness of God. They were giving God their leftovers, like I was pretending to give my wife leftover gifts on her birthday. Oh, she would kill me if I did that. You better bet on that one. So the passage we're looking at today is actually the last time we hear God speaking to the children of Israel before Christ comes. After the book of Malachi, God is silent for 400 years. This book was written by a spiritual man named Malachi. His name isn't Malachi. When I, was a first, when I first became a Christian, I mean, this is true stuff. I would call it the book of Malachi. I was so happy. I would say, hey, I just read the book of Malachi. No one ever told me that it was Malachi for like a year and a half into my walk with Jesus. And some, someone finally loved me enough to say, that's not Malachi, man. It's Malachi. So it's the book of Malachi. All right. So he's a, he, he's a spiritual man. God is using Malachi to show his heart to the children of Israel. Israel had been slaves and captives for many years to wicked nations, but recently God had sent them free. They returned to Jerusalem. Now you have Ezra, Zerubbabel, and you have Nehemiah. They rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem so the Jews could worship. This is the period known as the period of restoration. However, God reminds them that something was breaking his heart. God was not first in their lives, especially in the area of finances. And I want to show you today how these scriptures apply, listen to this, in a New Testament lens. So let's take a look. These are amazing scriptures. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Now, this is very key. This is key. Let me say that again. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So they departed from an intimate relationship with God. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? See, they didn't understand how far they drifted from God. And this is what God asks. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did I ever cheat you? They didn't realize that they were cheating God, but they were. Now watch this. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. This is important. Verse 9. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all of the tithes, that's the first 10% of their crops, of their produce, of everything. Remember that. I'm going to give you a really cool demonstration uh, of what that really looks like. So he says, bring, 
your tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. Give me some of that. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, I just want to share with you, that's the only place in the Bible, the only place in the Bible where God says, test me. You don't believe this is going to happen? He says, put me to the test. Only place in the Bible. And when I first learned about that, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to test you, God, because I don't believe in tithing. I don't believe in giving. I don't know anything about it, but I will test you. And I find it fascinating that that's the only place in the Bible where God says, put me to the test. Verse 11, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I want us to look at two things in this passage that are so important. First thing is, let's look at God's tone here. Second thing is, what is the principle we can pull from it? Now, here is the deal. We are not under the old covenant. Now, if you don't tithe, I don't believe you're going to get cursed. God's not going to curse you. You're not going to get blessed the way that he wants you to be blessed, but he is definitely not going to curse you. That's old covenant. We are under the new covenant. As followers of Jesus, we can't dismiss Malachi. If you dismiss Malachi, are y'all ready for this? You have to dismiss the entire New Testament. We have to look at the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and we have to see And here is the same principle that was true in the Old Testament. It's still true here today in the New Testament. It's not a law, but this is what we see throughout Scripture that God expects from us. And I really want to hone in on this. Here is what transfers over into the New Testament. And this will never change. It's today's big idea. Believers give God their best overs, not their leftovers. Believers, and go ahead and write that down. Believers give God their best overs, not leftovers. And we created that word best overs because I wanted to rhyme. Uh, there's a little bit of rapper in me, and I want to do a little Dr. Seuss thing. I just wanted to make it rhyme, make it a little more catchy. What you will see is all the way from Genesis to Revelation is that God doesn't want second best. Come on, somebody. He deserves to be put first in every area of our life. That's what God wants. He wants to be in the center of everything we do, and this includes the area of our finances. When, can I be for real? Let me ask that question again. Can I be for real? All right, that's what I'm talking about. When you, when you hear about money, when you hear that word money in church, whoo, it gets tense up in the house. A lot of people get angry. Come on, I'm just being for real. Let me say this. The church does not want your money. The church wants something for you. And let me reiterate that. The church wants something for you. Here's the issue. We are masters of justification. All right, just a little quick testimony. I, before I came to Christ, I was a drug addict. I was a sex addict. 
I was an alcoholic. I was addicted to gambling. I lived out in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was addicted to every single thing that you could be addicted to. One of the greediest human beings. So I know all about justification. I know what it's like when people justify why they don't give at church. And I know every single reason that exists because I've experienced them all. But I also know what happens when we tithe and the supernatural blessings that God gives to me and other people. So we are masters of justification because we love money so much. And because our love of money, we are enslaved to money. And we, make, we end up making statements like, well, all the church wants is my money. Well, that's the first issue. This is what I want all of us to know, know and believe. None of the money is ours anyway. Nothing that we have is ours anyway. I was reading the Bible the other day, and it says every good and every perfect gift comes from God, the Father who loves us and who gives us these things. We, none of the money is ours. None of our material possessions are ours. Nothing good in our life has been given to us by ourselves. It all comes from God. So if you think the money that you're holding on to is yours, that's where the issue is. It's not. It's all God's. I'll tell you who does want your money. Come on now. Captain One wants your money. Oh, yeah. They, they'll take your money all day long. They will take your money all day long. Chase wants your money. You know who else wants your money? I can testify to this. Those Las Vegas casinos want your money. And they will take your money so fast that you didn't even know money could go that fast. I testify to that. Look, I was so greedy at one point. I could turn fifty thousand or fifty dollars into a thousand dollars. I could turn thousand into five thousand. I could turn five thousand into ten thousand. Sitting at the table, and all my mentality was, "It's not enough. It's not enough." I would use that money to get more drugs, more alcohol, more of whatever a sinful life brings. It was never enough. It was always, "Let me double what I have." You're never happy with any amount of money when you think the money is yours. What God wants is you to be, come on, filled full of joy. God wants you to feel the grace of generosity. He is inviting you to partner with his plan of being generous. When you give financially, you end up partnering with God in spreading the message of Jesus Christ, the greatest message on planet earth. That's what you're partnering with God to do. There's no greater calling on this earth. We have seen here at Thrive Church over 300 people baptized. I want to hear some hand claps for that. Yeah, I'm clapping up here. We have seen money given to missions in church planning. That's what church wants from you. We want to see the message of Jesus Christ spread. We want to take the planet for Jesus Christ. That's my motto. Others will say, well, that whole tithing thing is the law. We aren't under the law. Ding, ding, ding. You are technically right. Come on. But here's the problem. 99.9% of people use that as an excuse. The people who don't tithe, they use that as an excuse not to tithe. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Ooh, I love this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen, 
The same God that was upset with the children of Israel in the book of Malachi is the same God that raised Christ from the dead and the same God we serve today. The law was fulfilled in Christ, but watch this. The same principle that upset God's heart 2,500 years ago is the same principle that moves God's heart today. Here's what saddened the heart of God. Those Those who followed him were greedy, and they didn't care enough to support his kingdom. They were preoccupied with building the kingdom. Now, God hasn't changed, but we got to keep in mind that God has redeemed us. He rescued, rescued you from death, hell, and the grave. And look, I'm going to testify to that right there. I believe that with all my heart. Why? I was a drug addict, literally one breath from death. And when I prayed Jesus and accepted him as my Savior, he healed me on the spot. He spared my Life is the first miracle I've ever seen up to that point. The moment I accepted Jesus Christ into my life, my life changed. He redeemed me. He redeemed us. And he has literally saved us from death, hell, and the grave. And I want us to really, really grasp that. He paid a high price for you by sending his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. That is amazing, and I want us to really think about that today. For me, giving the first 10% of my paycheck and giving, now I, I debated about sharing this or not sharing it. I want to share it, but I want y'all to know my heart. I give the first 10% of my paycheck back to God. It's not mine. It's the least I could do for what he's done for me and my wife. Now, recently, the last eight months or so, God has put in my heart to, to, to tithe on all my extra income. You know, I do weddings. I do other types of ministry. And, and one day, God put in my heart, I want you to tithe 25% off of all your extra income. I was like, oh, I don't think God's talking to me. That's craziness that I'm thinking from my own flesh. And... I'm like, man, you know, I'll I'll tithe maybe 11%. I'm just being for real with you guys. All right? And then that conviction didn't go away. So I was faced with a decision. Do I tithe 25% on my income, all my extra income? And I started to do that. Let me tell you something. It was super hard, even, even though I know what God has done for me. And I had to make a decision. I kept on praying, and my prayer was, God, that can't be you asking me to tithe 25% on my, my extra income. Um, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me to the truth. But you know what? That conviction didn't go away. So I've been doing it faithfully for about eight months now. And let me tell you something. It is the, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But I feel like God has led me to do that, and I'm going to continue to do that. But with that, and it's still hard every single time I do it. I'm not lying. And there's been like a few times where I'm like, praise God, this is awesome. But most of the time it's like, oh, God, this is hard to do. I can't do it without you leading me and guiding me. And I want you to know that the only reason I can't do it is because of his grace. It's because of his mercy. It's not by my choice. Trust me. It is not by my choice. I have to literally pray for the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me and empower me to do that because I don't want to do that in the flesh. So 
What we're looking at is firmly believing in the tithe. And what we're looking at is giving God our first and giving God our best. Now, because God deserves, we got to really know and believe this, God deserves this the best, and we got to really want to spread the message of Jesus Christ, and we want to make an impact. We want to make a legacy here in our community and our families. And here's one of the verses that have been helping me uh, faithfully tithe to God is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, some of you like that wine part way too much. Just saying. But here's the key. We need to honor the Lord with your wealth and the best of everything we produce. You produce and I produce. Leverage your life for the one who gave his life for you. Now, how do we do that? By remembering this and write this down. We need to worship, by, we need to worship God by giving him your first and best. Check out this New Testament scripture here in 1 Corinthians. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. So if you're arguing about consistent percentage giving, that it's not New Testament, then how do you explain that the churches here, what they did to, to support the work of the ministry, they were asked to set a percentage on the first day of the week. The first day of the week is Sunday. It's not on Monday. To give to the local church for global work of the ministry. So when we look at Malachi 3 and when we look at Proverbs 3, there is a principle, and here's the principle I want us to grab a hold of today. There is always a promise attached to giving. And you may disagree, but I firmly agree on the blessing of the tithe. Based on my personal experience and many other people's personal experience, I see who get blessed when they tithe. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know how it all works. I, I, I can't sit here and tell you how it all works, but I can tell you this without a shadow of a doubt, it works. So if you're going to buy into the big idea that when we give God our first and our best and he blesses the rest, then we have to do this as followers of Jesus. We have to change the way we view financial giving. We have to change the way we view financial giving. We have to change our view. The reason uh, that many of us have never taken the step of giving God the first and the best is because we have a faulty view on financial giving. So here's three ways we have to change in order to honor God in the area of giving. We need to know this. Here's three things. The first thing is this. Giving is a part of worship. Listen to what it says here in Matthew. So if you are presenting, I love this verse. If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, 
and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come, your, then come to offer your sacrifice to God. Jesus tied worship and giving together. Jesus made the insinuation that giving and worship go hand in hand. Now, I've heard people say that, hey, I pay my tithes. You know what? When I hear people say that, I cringe because we're not paying anything to God. We aren't paying one penny back to God. We are returning back to God what is already his. And when we do that, that is such an ultimate act of worship. He owns it all. When we get a check or when we get money, we should be so grateful that God put air in our lungs and gives us great physical health that we can work and we can earn a living for ourselves and our families. And when we give, this is what I want Thrive Church Richmond City Campus to be about. When we give, I want it to be a spiritual moment of worship. I want it to be a spiritual moment of thanksgiving and praise, and we give with a grateful heart, knowing that God is going to reach other people for him. That's my hope. Next, we need to know that giving is birthed out of love. Listen, John 3, 16 says, For this is how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The old country preacher said, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Amen. God demonstrated his love. How? How do you demonstrate love? By giving a sacrifice. God sent his one and only son to die on the cross in our place. That's the ultimate love on planet Earth. Have you ever heard someone say, here's a question. Have you ever heard someone say, Man, I felt so much love when that person was as selfish as they could be. No, you experience love when someone doesn't give you the leftovers, when someone sacrifices to show you that they love you. So when we give, it is because God has sent us love and he put love in our hearts and moved in our hearts to give because he's filled us with love. And finally, we've got to know Giving is the only cure for greediness. Guys, write this down. This will change your life. Giving is the only cure for greediness. Jesus says here in Luke eleven forty one, and this is amazing. So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest, tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore just... We're not talking about that type of herb. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. All right. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Jesus is saying here that you are greedy... Even though you're a tithing, and he's talking to religious leaders because you give the minimum and you do not have the heart of generosity to give more than the minimum. You see, they were given, but they were given with the, right, the wrong heart issue. So as we close, let me ask you this question. How do you know that you aren't greedy? Oh, this is a hard question to ask yourself. 
The only way you could tell that you're not greedy to give into the kingdom of God is to audit your checkbook. If we audited our checkbooks, we would all see just how greedy we all really are. And let me, say, let me just tell you something. That includes me. When I give more to God, I still know that I'm greedy and that he deserves more. You, you guys, you know we're in a political season. So there, there, there's a, there's a uh, political person. I'm not going to mention any names, but he wants things for free, and he wants people to give more to charitable giving. Well, uh, someone interviewed him, and they asked, I, I want to know how much you give. They wanted to see how much he gave because they wanted to know, is he practiced what he's preaching? You see, the only way that we prove that we're not greedy is by how much we tangibly give. Now, I know Pastor Kevin, we were talking the other day, he's been tithing ever since he became a Christian. It didn't work like that for me. Because I didn't hear about the message of tithing until about two and a half years. And when I first heard the message of tithing, I remembered thinking, why in the world did anyone else teach me this sooner than this? I asked my pastor. I said, why didn't you teach this sooner? He said, I don't want to offend anyone in the church. And you know what I told him? I said, this is biblical teaching. And when people tithe to God, God blesses them in a unique way. I told him, I felt like he ripped me off. Why didn't you teach this sooner? Because as soon as I started tithing, blessings came down on my life and on my wife's life like crazy. And I'm not talking just money. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about growing closer to Jesus. I'm talking about reaching more people for him, sharing the gospel. I'm talking about every area in my life became better and it became better quicker. And I don't want to be a pastor who doesn't teach about this because I offend someone. Because I can't offend you teaching the word of God. Come on now. I can teach you the word of God, and it's your choice to take part in the biblical principles. And I pray to God that you will, so you will receive the blessing. But I can't offend you teaching God's word. So today, I want to share with you. When my pastor, the first 10%, he's like teaching on tithing, first 10%. I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? I'm not good with numbers. So he says, the first 10% is this. Say you have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 oranges. The tithe is you give God the first and the best. You give him the first 10%. When he said that, I said, one orange out of 10, I got that covered. Even a guy like me could do that. You see, 
when you give 10%, the first 10% to God, you know what happens? You start to budget the rest of the 90. So part of God's tithing principle is you give him the first 10%, the next 10%, you put that away for your future, and the 80% you use to budget your money, assign every penny for a purpose. And you control your money. You don't let your money control you. I don't know about you, but I don't want anything controlling me. I want God in the center of my life, but I don't want anyone controlling me except the one who has created me. So today, my hope and my prayer is this, that you test God, that you put him first and giving him the best overs, not the leftovers, and let him bless you financially in ways that you can't comprehend till you test him in that area. And he'll bless you in so many different ways. 10%, the first 10% goes to our creator. The next 10%, if y'all could get this down, your financial life will change. The next 10%, you put it away from your retirement. And then 80% to your bills, to your needs. Watch what God does that when you assign every penny for a purpose and you are good stewards of your money, the resources that God gives you, your life will change for the better. Now, what I want to ask, I want to ask everyone to just bow your head, close your eyes. The most important choice that you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to your life as your personal Lord and Savior. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe will not perish but have everlasting life. I want you more than anything to make the choice of having eternal, your eternal soul going to heaven. So if you're not sure today that you'll be in heaven when you pass away, if you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to do the bravest thing you've ever done in your life. Raise your hand. Say, today's the day I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'll pray for everyone else. Those of you that are going to accept Jesus Christ into your heart and life today, just pray, pray this prayer after me. Father, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Take over my life. Make me brand new. Thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.